Welcome to the Nail Your Nutrition podcast, a podcast focused on nutrition, fueling, intuitive eating, and training for endurance activity. Each week, we put out evidence-based information to help you learn to fuel adequately to ace your training and achieve PRs. You'll hear interviews with sports nutrition experts, new and seasoned athletes, and athletes looking to balance ambitions of fitness and training with family and professional goals. I'm Sarah Schlichter, a sports dietitian and mom to two girls. I'm a huge believer in merging the principles of sports nutrition and intuitive eating. Life's too short to not enjoy your food. You can learn more about my work at bucketlisttummy.com. And I'm Marita, a sports dietitian and mom to two boys in San Antonio, Texas. I work with endurance athletes at my private practice, Eat to Compete. My goal is to help runners and triathletes learn to fuel their training with intuitive eating, heal disordered eating, and become a happier and more resilient athlete. We are two sports dietitians and moms here to break down the nutrition science to make training more fun and approachable for you. Whether you're a novice athlete, a weekend warrior, a mom trying to fit in a consistent exercise schedule, or a top finisher at big races, we want to help you understand the importance of fueling well. We're so glad you're here and would appreciate you sharing this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, like your favorite running buddy or a coworker who trains too. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, friends. Marita here. This is a solo episode. Sarah and I have had crazy schedules the last few weeks. I don't know what it is, if it's end of the school year things going on. We're both busy with clients. I don't know, but I decided to record a solo episode. Sarah is away at a conference. Good for her. She's in sunny Florida. Sarah, I hope you're having fun and not dying in the humidity like the rest of us down in the South, but I wanted to talk today about fueling long workouts. I feel like we talk about this a lot in episodes, but we haven't had a specific concrete episode about fueling long runs, and I see it all the time in my clients. They say, oh, I don't need to fuel. I'm okay for eight miles. You know, I can do it. I can muscle through. But that's not the case. Sure, you can muscle through, right? But is that really going to help your performance? Is that going to be the biggest benefit for you? Is it going to help you recover and stay injury-free? No. The answer is always no. So today we're going to talk about fueling long runs, why you fueling long runs and rides, I should say. Why you absolutely need to, the science behind that, and then give you a quick guideline, quick guidelines about how to do it. So I hope you are excited about this episode. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by our Nail Your Nutrition self-paced fueling course. Whether you're a new or seasoned athlete, the Nail Your Nutrition course offers all of the information needed to prepare you, fuel you, and help you recover from endurance activity. The Nail Your Nutrition course has modules on macronutrient distribution, hydration and electrolytes, endurance needs for female athletes, vegans and vegetarians, nutrients of concern, supplements, tips for triathletes and endurance, ultra-endurance runners, tips for relative energy deficiency, and more. We also include case studies to tie everything together, as well as videos and downloadable handouts. Plus, you have lifetime access to the course. That's right. You have access forever with updated scientific sports nutrition guidelines, practical tips for how to implement them, and you also have access to a private community where you can collaborate with other course members. To join the course and get started today, head to nailyournutrition.podia.com. That's nailyournutrition.podia.com or head to the link in the show notes. We hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, let's talk about the science of why you need to fuel workouts, 
long runs, long rides, and really anything over 35 minutes in heat and humidity. When you run for long periods of time, the primary fuel your body relies on is glycogen. I know you know this. I know we've talked about this. Let's briefly cover it. Glycogen is stored glucose in the muscle and liver for easily accessible high-octane energy. The body can also draw from its fat stores, which is a slower-burning source of energy that is virtually endless, which is nice, even in extremely lean athletes. Yes, everybody has fat. But this takes hours to kick on, and you have to be very, very well-trained, while some athletes cannot pull from fat very well at all. So glycogen is your best source of fuel for long workouts. Glycogen stores are depleted within a couple of hours. This is, of course, very athlete-specific. The more trained you are, the more efficient you are at utilizing glucose. Without replenishment while running, glycogen stores are typically exhausted within a couple of hours. If you want to run longer than that or ride longer than that, you'll want to consume some kind of mid-run ride fuel to replenish your glycogen stores, stave off fatigue, and help activate fat burning for fuel. Muscle glycogen represents the major source of carbs in the body, about 300 to 400 grams or 1,200 to 1,600 calories, followed by liver glycogen, which is about 75 to 100 grams or 300 to 400 calories, and then blood glucose, so what's circulating in your blood, 5 grams or 20 calories. Not a lot, right? During prolonged exercise, blood glucose becomes increasingly important fuel as a source for muscle glycogen as those stores decrease. So what does that mean? That means you need to eat during exercise in order to add glucose to your blood. Carbohydrates during exercise allow athletes to increase exercise capacity, improve your performance, prevent hypoglycemia, which is low blood sugar, and again, maintain that high rate of carbohydrate oxidation or carbohydrate burning. Let's talk about logistics of taking in fuel for workouts and races. If you're going for less than 75 minutes, you really don't need any fuel. But if you haven't eaten anything beforehand, aka you woke up and you worked out, or it's a super tough, intense workout, or you live somewhere hot and humid, I know there's lots of caveats here and lots of ores, but bear with me. I would for sure take f- take fuel with you or eat something small beforehand. So we've talked about this before, but some ideas are maybe like half a banana, a couple crackers, a couple graham crackers, um, maybe an applesauce packet, maybe two applesauce packets, something super small, simple carb-based. That's just going to help your performance. It's not going to hinder you in any way. It shouldn't cause any major GI upset if you're eating that really quickly and then going out the door 10, 15, 20 minutes later. If you're going for 75 minutes to up to three hours, your goal is 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour. Again, this is highly individualized. I know we say that a lot, but that's just how it goes. But prolonged activity may require more fuel to maximize performance, which means maybe you go all the way up to 90 grams if you're really going above three hours. And also, if you're going out for a quick five miler, you probably don't need any fuel. But if you're going out for a long 15 mile training run, you'll want to have some sort of carbohydrate to fuel your muscles. So we'll talk about that in a second. To summarize, if you want to run longer than 75 minutes, you'll want to consume some kind of fuel to replenish your glycogen stores. A lot of this takes practice during training to train your gut to take in energy during exercise. And again, we're going to talk about that in a second. If you're newer to endurance exercise, I would not start at this 60 to 90 level. Not ideal. These levels are for well-trained athletes. For those performing at lower intensities or just starting, you'll really have to start with those lower carb oxidation rates and start lower 
30 grams at most, just to make sure that you're not having severe GI upset. Okay, if you're sitting here thinking, I don't eat fuel. I've ran a whole marathon without any fuel and I was fine. It was fine. It was great. It was probably not great. You could have had a better performance. You could have felt better at the end. You could have not bonked, right? Or maybe you're fat adapted or you're just super efficient at burning glycogen. But I want to be super clear. These recommendations are based on science. They're based on research, which the majority of athletes will perform better when they feel properly according to these guidelines. Your performance, your recovery, your energy level during and after exercise, your ability to be injury-free can all improve if you consume more fuel during workouts. Doesn't that sound great? Don't you want to feel better and have a better performance? Okay, let's talk about these guidelines. If you're going for less than 30 minutes, again, you probably don't need any fuel during your workout. I would just have something to top you off if it's the morning and you've been fasting overnight and you haven't had any fuel. Have something small. It's not going to hurt you. It's going to help your performance. If you are doing high-intensity exercise lasting 45 to 75 minutes, a small amount of carbs or even an oral rinse of carbs like a swig of um, Gatorade or Scratch, your favorite your favorite sports drink, would be really beneficial just to help you get something in there. And, you know, there's a lot of cool research on oral rinsing and how that's supposed to be really helpful. How about if you're going for one to two hours, like an endurance run, maybe you're maybe you have a 10 to 14 miler on the docket or you're going for a long two hour bike ride. 30 grams an hour up to 60 grams an hour is the recommendation. If you can get more than 30, that's awesome. That's great. You're doing awesome. If you can get 45 to 60 grams, perfect. Keep up with that. That means you're probably going to need at least two gels an hour. So keep that in mind. Or maybe you're on the bike ride and you prefer like infinite or something like that. You're probably going to need at least 20 to 40 ounces of that infinite, depending on your on your formula. But just FYI. Let's say you're going for two to three hours, right? Endurance, high intensity exercise, 60 grams or up to 90 grams. That's really where you want to be. But 60 grams is the sweet spot there. And anything ultra endurance, anything lasting over two and a half hours, your goal is 60 to 90 grams an hour. When you ingest carbohydrate, your performance significantly improves in a dose-dependent manner. And the greatest benefit is observed with between 60 to 90 grams of carbs an hour. Okay, let's talk about types of carbs for fueling. We've talked about this in our GI episodes way back. I want to say it was like 14 um, episodes 14 and 15. I will put that in the show notes, though, just to double check. But the types of carbs that you choose definitely make a difference in how you feel and how you perform. So a little science. The maximum amount of glucose that we can absorb during exercise is one gram per minute, which is 60 grams an hour. So notice I just said glucose, right? And here I just told you to have 60 to 90 grams. So let's talk about this. This is because we have a sodium glucose transporter that gets oversaturated. However, when glucose is taken with fructose, which uses a different transporter, we can absorb more than one gram a minute and up to 75% higher oxidation rates. Most of these benefits are seen in two and a half hours or longer of a race, a run, or a ride. Most gels and chomps have at least two different carbohydrates in them, but gels really vary dependent on your preference, so you really need to find what you like. Some of the easiest ones on the stomach that we always recommend tend to be Honey Stinger, Muir, Morton Gels, Huma Gels, especially the plus ones because they have more sodium, Untapped Maple Syrup, Spring Gels, Jelly Sport Beans, and 
Nature's Nate Honey Packets. So guys, let me talk to you about this really quickly because we are actually sponsored by Nature Nates, which is super cool. And we are so thankful for that. This is our first a real official sponsor. And I do want to give a little bit of a plug for them because they have these cool little honey packets that you can take with you. And it's natural. And it's something that is so great to have for runs and rides. Also, honey isn't just honey. There is an art to making great honey, and it starts with a passion to do things right. And that's really how they do it at Nature Nates. They do it right, making sure every bottle is as pure and simple as it is straight from the hive. Look for Nature Nate's bright orange honey bottle for the next time you shop for groceries. Or again, try their single serving packets for fueling during your run and your ride. I highly recommend them. They are very tasty and they are perfectly portable to shove into a belt or your shorts. Okay, some brands that tend to be more polarizing and can cause some GI issues are Goo and some Cliff. I, I feel like some people can tolerate the Cliff gels a little bit better, but Goo, ooh, they can they can be tough. So just keep that in mind if you have a very sensitive stomach. Let's talk about all-in-one fluid replacements. These fluid replacement beverages usually have a carbohydrate content of about 6 to 8%, meaning they provide carbs for you while simultaneously meeting fluid needs. It's somewhere about 4 grams of carbs per 8 ounces of fluid. A lot of these also have electrolytes added, which is great. It's literally all your needs in one bottle. Some good examples are Gatorade, Powerade, Tailwind, you can, although that tends to be lower on the calories for me to recommend as your only fuel source, uh, and Infinite, which is a really good one. I like to recommend Infinite to athletes because, and again, we're not sponsored by them, but just to let you know, because their formulas are so high in electrolytes and carbs. If you have major GI issues, this is a great solution. So these all-in-one solutions can be a really good way to just, you know, keep tabs on calories, carbs, and electrolytes. However, we can't rely just on fluid and sport drink mix. This can increase your risk for hyponatremia, which is low salt in your blood, and nausea. Getting all of your nutrition via liquids for something as prolonged as, say, like an Ironman can increase your risk of exercise-induced hyponatremia, which is, a lo- again, a low concentration of sodium in your blood. Plus, consuming only liquids for a long period of time can make you nauseous. You need to know what works for you and have it in your pack and alternate between a sports drink and water every 15 minutes for long runs, long rides, races. Also, let's say you're doing a a triathlon. The bike is a really great opportunity to get some real food in and change it up a little bit. We tend to get sick of the same thing over the course of a few hours. So just relying on one drink is probably not a good idea. So it's kind of a toss up with these drinks. You can do the drink mix on the bike along with real food. Or you can just do a drink mix if you have major GI issues and maybe save the drink mix for a run. I just would not rely solely on these carbohydrate fluid replacements for a long effort because you're probably going to get sick of it and you probably want to choose something just to get something. All right. Well, what about real food? I've been talking a lot about manufactured food, processed food, which is totally fine. But let's talk about, and I hate to say real food because all food is real, but I'm talking about bananas and potatoes and dried fruit and things like that. I think that it's very important to realize that your main goal is getting enough fuel while also avoiding GI upset for long efforts, for long runs, for long rides, for races. It's so important that you practice. For longer, slower races, there is more opportunity to consume solid foods because you're not going as fast. The more fast you go, it's likely that you need quick and easy fuel sources because it's hard to stop. It's hard to chew. It's it's hard to maneuver that banana out of your pack, you know, things like that. So if you're going slow and you just want to finish, 
that's great. If you are going fast to win, you probably don't want to have these, again, quotes, real food um, options. It's super important to know what's on the course too because a lot of races do not allow you to carry a pack, especially big races. So keep that in mind. If you're someone who is practicing with like applesauce packets and you need a whole bunch, you're you're going to ha- run out of places to store them. So if you cannot have a, a pack with you on this particular race that you're training for, it's probably not the best idea. You probably should practice with gels and chomps and things like that. It's also really important to keep in mind that everyone's body is different. Maybe you have a training buddy who swears by just roasted potatoes, but that might not work for you. Real food may help some perform great and be well tolerated while others just cannot handle that while they are running. And that's just your gut. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to teach yourself how to do that or, or practice that. Maybe unless you're doing an ultra and that's like a different. If you are committed to real food, some good options are, again, bananas, Stroop waffles. I like the Honey Stinger brand. Roasted potatoes and add some extra salt on there. Dried fruit, although a huge caveat, this can be really hard to chew. Energy balls, applesauce squeeze packets, talking about those again. Raisins, dates, and mini pretzels. Okay, again, we have two whole episodes on this, but we really have to talk about GI issues here because I hear that all the time. Oh, I took a gel and then I had I had to stop and I had the worst cramps and I felt terrible you know, but that's probably because you haven't been practicing it. Maybe you slammed that whole gel at once. Maybe you had an empty stomach and your your stomach was like, whoa, what did you just do to me? There are so many different issues that can be at play here. This is why we really have to practice with that, that training, training with that gels immediately. As soon as you start that training plan, it's go time. You need to be practicing with those gels. In order to avoid GI issues, you really, really, really need to train your gut. So things like runner's trot, runner's stomach, runner diarrhea, that intense urge to go poop right after you have to go right now. Some of the symptoms can include bloating, stomach cramps, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, even some chest pain and heartburn. I've experienced that. Not fun. And that really, really extreme urge to poop right this instant. Some causes could be nerves. Maybe you're eating and drinking the wrong foods before. You're using the wrong fuel. Dehydration is a big one. Again, we have a whole episode about this, but we really need to think about how to train. So make sure that you are using gels or chews that have glucose and fructose, allowing for those improved oxidation rates. Again, start small. If you are someone who has not been training with a gel at all, aim for 30 grams an hour. Work your way up to 60 to 45 and then to 60 and then over 90 if you're doing an ultra endurance event. Do not mix sports drinks with gels. I cannot emphasize this enough. I have personally made this mistake. It is so easy to do. And I know it's really difficult to think about like, well, okay, if I'm going on my long run and I'm, you know, taking my sports drink with me, but then I have my gels with me, do I also have to take water? So maybe you have to circle back. Maybe you have water stashed on the course. Maybe you you are not on the course or on your long run route. Maybe you have a route where there's water there. You really have to kind of think about that and walk through that. Maybe that's not the time that you take that sports drink and maybe you get those electrolytes somewhere else. Always, always, always take gels with water. Cannot emphasize that enough. And then always avoid foods high in fiber, fat, and protein before and during running. Okay, we're going to briefly touch on hydration and electrolytes. We have two episodes already on these. Episode eight is how to hydrate for summer workouts, but it's really just for any workout, no matter the season. And then episode 10 is all about electrolytes. So check those out. And if you really want to know more, if you want to do a really deep dive or you're really struggling in these two areas, our course also has specific modules just for those two. So let's talk about the guidelines briefly for hydration during exercise. Your guideline is 0.4 to 0.8 liters an hour. 
This is really to prevent excessive dehydration, which is over 2% loss of body weight. You want to make sure that you are getting enough fluid, just like we talked about before. If it's from a sports drink, if it's from water, it's awesome if you can do a mixture of both. Remember, when we're talking about liters, milliliters, about 30 milliliters is one ounce, and that's about one medium mouthful of fluid. I really like to have my athletes have somewhere between at least 16 to 24 ounces of fluid per hour of exercise. So keep that in mind. Okay, the most important electrolyte for athletes is sodium. A pound of sweat has 400 to 700 milligrams of sodium. So you need to start with at least 400 milligrams and then work your way up to 500 to 700 milligrams plus an hour. If you find you are prone to cramping, you have white streaks on your clothes and skin, you're not recovering well, increasing sodium intake is probably recommended. I usually don't have athletes go over 1,500 milligrams. It's just not recommended unless you are an elite athlete and you're used to that level of sodium. So the baseline recommendation is about 400 to 700 milligrams of sodium per hour. Again, this this can increase up to 1,500, if, but if you're unconditioned, maybe you're training in heat and humidity, you're a heavy or salty sweater, you're exercising for several hours at a time, athletes who fall into these categories really need to be replenishing their fluid and electrolytes consistently, not just during workouts, but in the days before, during, and after exercise too. For the other electrolytes, they really don't matter as much, but they can still be important key players. For potassium, a pound of sweat has about 80 to 100 milligrams. During two hours of activity, you know, you can lose somewhere between 300 to 800 milligrams of potassium. And potassium does play a key role in exercise, but it's very hard to become deficient. So overall, I would say aim for 3,500 to 4,700 milligrams a day. That's a general recommendation, and I think you'll probably be okay. Magnesium is kind of the trickier one. There's a lot of different things that lead to magnesium being into play with being deficient. Actually, almost 70% of the population is deficient in magnesium. It's also required by almost every cell in the body, so it's kind of a vital one. So chronic deficiencies of magnesium can really also be implemented in reduced bone mineral density, increased risk of osteoporosis, as well as anemia, depression, and irregular heart rate. So if you feel like you have these a lot, or maybe you have a lot of fatigue, you have a lot of muscle cramps, you have lowered immunity, you're getting sick often, altered heart rates, perhaps you need to check to see if you're magnesium deficient. The general rule for magnesium is about 5 to 30 milligrams of magnesium per hour of activity, which you can typically find in sports drink mixes um, and some gels. And then calcium, not nearly lost as much as others. The body can replace calcium fairly easily by pulling it away from the bones. That's really not like the most desirable process because obviously if you're pulling calcium from your bones, you're going to be at more risk for osteoporosis, which we talked about in previous episodes. So I wouldn't worry too much about trying to replace the calcium. It's more of just keeping in mind that you're getting enough calcium in your other workouts. That's really most important. Okay, friends, these are the basics for fueling that long run, that long ride, that race coming up. Maybe you are just thinking about diving into training for that fall race and you're thinking, where in the world do I start? This is where you start. 30 grams an hour. Make sure you get a gel or some other kind of processed food that has glucose and fructose. Make sure you're hydrating with just water when you take those. Make sure you're working your way up to 45 to 60 grams an hour if you're going over two hours. Those are the general guidelines. If you have more questions, if you have no idea anything of what we just talked about, reach out to us. We have our Nailer Nutrition course. You can work with one of us one-on-one. Lots of different ways to get some more info. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for bearing with me with my first solo episode. Oh my goodness. Sarah's on a couple. This is my first, but 
here we are. I hope you guys have a wonderful day and have a wonderful weekend of workouts. That wraps up today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review so others can find it more easily. You can also stay in touch with us by joining our Facebook group, Nutrition for Runners. If you have any requests for future episode topics and more, email us at nailyournutritioncourse1 at gmail.com. Happy fueling! Happy fueling!